This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Will what you do now matter in a hundred years? Um, that's something I used to work on um, a good few years ago. In fact, when I came here, when I came to work here, um, and we lived here for a while, um, I used to work on uh, something called, well, I worked for BT, Exchange Construction, which in reality was Exchange Destruction, because this uh, kit here is the kind of kit that we used to take out. Um, it's interesting stuff, and I'll partly put it there, um, A, to explain where the... Um, where the title comes from and also the fact that, that this equipment actually did last um, in pretty much the same form for about 100 years before it was all taken out um, some of which I had a part in getting rid of it um, it's actually called Strouder equipment it's all electromechanical so it uses relays and solenoids and so on to work um, and it was invented roughly well a little over 100 years ago now um, unsurprisingly by a man named Mr Strouder now, Mr. Strouger wasn't uh, an engineer, he was an undertaker um, in the States. Uh, and he lived in a town where there were two undertakers. And unfortunately, and I suppose surprisingly for an undertaker, he didn't get much work. Um, and it turned out that his rival's wife was on the switchboard of the telephone exchange. So anybody rang in for a funeral director, it never went to Mr. Strouger. Uh, so, um, necessity being the mother of invention he through that ended up inventing the automatic telephone exchange to get rid of his rival's wife uh, spoiling his, his uh, chances of making a living um, and he, he invented, I, I suspect he made a lot more money out of the telephone exchange than he did out of the funeral business um, but he, he invented this and the initial um, version that he created I believe was quite uh, primitive, it involved nails and bits of wood um, but it worked uh, and it gave something like 99 lines within a, a particular area that you could dial, dial out to um, and he invented what we now take for granted as the automatic telephone exchange now in my job, my job was, well this is the equipment that went in which is probably in a, over a lot shorter period of time, this is System X and over a lot shorter period of time um, 1979 I think that came started to come into service and it's pretty old stuff now it fills up racks now um, just one of those units maybe down the bottom will be enough to put an exchange in these days um, it, it, the difference is phenomenal in terms of size because they, they, they do, you do it in a totally different way um, so what used to fill buildings and in this case maybe fill the room now it's just a small unit on a rack, not much bigger than a PC or something like that. That's, that's how it, everything has changed. Um, but Strouger, his equipment lasted a, a good hundred years. Now, as I said, my job was to take the, the old equipment out. And what that mainly meant was wiring up the new exchange to the old exchange on a huge frame that we called an MDF, a, a main distribution frame. And the whole thing was pegged out with little plastic uh, pegs so that when the peg was pulled out it would switch from one to the other and we had to wire it up perfectly so everybody got the same number and, and you can imagine well it worked perfectly not um, of course there's changes going on all the time as well while we're doing that 
Um, and it, as it got towards the point of changeover, which happened early in the morning, um, it could become quite fraught. And we used to work with somebody, um, he, he was nearing retirement, and he was kind of, he was, we called him Uncle Ron anyway, he was quite a, a friendly fellow. And he, this was something that he used to say when it used to get a bit fraught uh, and the managers were really keen that you know you need to get on with this and this needs doing and we've not done that and, and he'd, he'd suddenly go will it all matter in a hundred years and everybody would sort of relax and, oh, and then we'd go and have a cup of tea and calm down <laughs> um, and then uh, and that, that was kind of his attitude in a way but it, it's sobering isn't it in a way all, all this equipment well, what we were putting in that's going now already um, so did it all matter that much in a hundred years time will anybody care what we were doing <coughs> uh, and that was it was a little bit of black humour in a way and, and it made you smile but it's a thought isn't it for life it's something that, uh, and that's kind of the theme I want to get at now and, and think about in terms of um, our lives does what we do now matter in a hundred years time will anybody care will it make any difference and, and obviously I want to look at that from the point of view of the Bible well we'll start with the depressing stuff um, first of all um, some, things, some things from the word of God this is from Psalm 6 it says for in death there is no remembrance of you in the grave who will give you thanks so in one sense what, what the Bible is saying is that at the end of our lives then, then it's over there's no soul that we have or anything like that we don't go to heaven when we die the Bible's very clear about that John 3 verse 13 says that explicitly that we don't go to heaven when we die um, here's another example um, this is an example uh, it's not all on the screen but if I read it to you live joyfully this is from Ecclesiastes live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life which is given you under the sun all your days of vanity for that is your portion in life and in the labour which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So we have a finite time on this earth. And it's a bit depressing in one sense to think about it. But what we do now, what difference will it make in years to come? And that reading that we had as well. Um, here's another example from Psalm 49 those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him for the redemption of their souls is costly it shall never cease that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit for he sees wise men die likewise the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others their inner thought is that their houses will last forever their dwelling places to all generations they call their lands after their own names nevertheless man though in honour does not remain for he is like the beasts that perish we, um, when, I, when I was a kid we used to, I was in Sheffield and I grew up in Sheffield and we used to go down um, it's on Cemetery Road um, Sheffield Meeting Room and we used to drive past the cemetery that the road was named after and it was an interesting place because it was it was an old cemetery um, and I think it's worse now than it was then but there's, there's graves in that cemetery that are magnificent to the steel, the people who own the steel works from the, probably in the, the 1800s and the early 1900s um, but they're all cracked now 
and there's ivy growing up them and they're falling down and there's trees in there and, and what was magnificent and a, and a great monument to these people just falling into dust and decay so the rich as the psalm says you, you can't once you're gone you can't really um, continue can you? you you can't guarantee that even your memory will remain over the years there's some examples now coming up on the screen of some famous faces and just think about these people um, some were scientists who discovered and revealed uh, great things some were entertainers loved by the masses of their time some achieved some very great things and went where no one had gone before some were popular rulers perhaps brought to power because of difficult times some were tyrants who wrought devastation on their own countries and those around them some were loved and hated in equal measure some were just famous some you recognise and some you maybe don't they all have one thing in common they're all gone every one of them their achievements, their desires, their loves, their hates all gone everything they gain materially for themselves has gone for them in fact they've ceased to exist and they have no consciousness that they ever existed in the first place and the same fate comes to us all so will what we do now matter in a hundred years those verses on the screen at the end of Psalm 49 I'm not going to read them out particularly but they say it all don't they we've already read them perhaps with another analogy or parable the next slide summarises our, our position very accurately certainly in the sight of God uh, and it's an analogy that the Bible uses to see God's perspective of us and what we are like. He says we're like grass. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And his word is the good news that was preached to you. Well Peter's quoting from the Old Testament from Isaiah 40 and he's making a contrast between us and our lives now without God and with God himself and his word and if you think about it it's a good analogy isn't it all the glory of the grass all we say and all we do is here today and gone tomorrow God's glory he says lasts forever uh, and we have an example of that in our hands we've got the Bible that, the Bible since it's been written just uh, sort of in the first century when it was finished in the first century it hasn't changed it's still there, it's still the word of God through all those generations it's still there to teach us of his ways and how we should live and actually it's not just depressing that verse is it? it has hope, the word of the Lord remains forever so that's where we need to go if what we do now will matter in the future so there's words of hope then there's something we can do now that in a hundred years will make a difference or a thousand or a million or forever will make a difference what we do now does matter if we follow the word of God and it's worth it it's valuable and it's very powerful so we have a choice in other words don't we uh, we can either follow the crowd or we can seek the things of God and Jesus puts it that way as a sign we have a, there's a narrow way and there's a broad way uh, and, and Jesus said it that way um, in a parable in Matthew chapter 7 enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many that go in by it 
because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it it's a stark choice in a way isn't it which way are you going to go you can follow the crowd and do what everybody else does go the easy way or you can follow Jesus which is not so easy at all however it's a very valuable way and it, it leads to life life eternal but not many people follow that way because it's, it's not where everybody goes so we've got that choice to follow Jesus to the kingdom of God here on earth so what's the offering well the Bible offers good news in the gospels it tells us four times that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom this is the message that the Bible gives this is what, what it's all about in the end is the kingdom of God Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people so Jesus came and he, he gave this message that the kingdom of God is coming upon the earth and he demonstrated what it would be like by healing people from their sicknesses by removing disease from people to show what the kingdom would be like and, and that's the good news of the gospel that Jesus will return to this earth to set up the kingdom on earth when he returns uh, and there's plenty of verses that tell us that Matthew, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 1 is a good example when, when the disciples were open mouthed looking at Jesus going up into heaven the angels came and said this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you saw him going to heaven it's the hope of the gospel it's the kingdom of God to come up on the earth and it's not just in the New Testament the Old Testament's the same uh, just one example here from Habakkuk uh, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea so completely isn't it that's what the sea is totally covered by water so the glory of God will cover the whole earth well it's not like that now is it you only have to turn the news on to realise that there's an awful lot of selfish people out there who want their way and want to force it on other people and yet God isn't a God who's stepped back and left the world alone he's intervened but he's intervened through ordinary men and women um, and through prophets through shepherds sometimes through kings uh, and the verses on the screen shout out that God has an ultimate purpose with this earth God plans a time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and it's, that's the gospel that's preached by Jesus and we have the choice whether we want to be there or not what will it feel like then on a personal level as much as anything what will it feel like to be in that <coughs> kingdom because well we have aches and pains now we have a, our lives aren't necessarily always easy are they now and yet the kingdom is totally different Here's a, I think it's a lovely verse that, that explains what the kingdom will be like forever and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and they shall, there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away it's a new day total change when the Lord Jesus 
returns and the kingdom comes and the world will be made into a different place altogether and and tears will be wiped away he says what an amazing thought what an amazing hope to live forever in a world like that so what is this narrow way what's, how, how do we get there what's, what's the message that we have to do what is it that we must do now that will bring us to this kingdom well God has created a world that ultimately wants to be filled with those who give him the glory and, and crucially want to give him the glory he's not going to force anybody into it he wants people who love him who want to be in that kingdom where sin and death are abolished and selfishness is gone where there's no more pain or tiredness or sadness or crying or death and he, invent, he invites us all to be there God is not willing that any should perish he, he, he wants us there but we need to repent and that's the important thing repent is a verse that summarises really the, the message of what we need to do if we want to be in the kingdom repent and let every one of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins so this is his method this is what, what God has provided as a way uh, and it's up to us to choose so repent means to realise that we are sinners to understand if, if you read the word of God it begins to as you read it you realise that you, you don't do what God wants and we're sinners and we fail and, and we get things wrong quite often and we're asked to repent and, and to to do away with that old person that we are that, that person who sins and to start again and to try our hardest to be different to be more Christ like like the Lord Jesus Christ was to follow him and in doing that he asks us to do something as well as well as to repent to be baptised which means to be buried in water and raised symbolically back from the dead just like Jesus died and was in the grave for three days and rose again to life a new person so baptism is about dying in the waters of baptism so that old person our sins forgiven and raised to a new life walking then to the kingdom of God in faith and in hope waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus that's the message of hope that's the good news of the kingdom to come and it's really about choice Jesus gave a very easy example to understand which was in the parable of the soul I don't think we really need to turn it up do we we, we know it reasonably well um, Jesus outlines really um, in four different ways the choices that are available to us and he explains the meaning of the parable um, and we can because of that we, we know that the, the seed that he describes he describes a sower going out to sow seed and in those days they had a bag and they threw it into the field from the bag um, and it landed in different places and he says the seed is the word of God and the kind of ground it lands on are the kind of people who receive the word of God and that, that's, that's essentially the message of the parable and he says there's, there's different kinds of people who respond to God's message in different ways so behold the sower went out to sow and as he sowed some fell by the wayside and the birds came and they devoured them in other words that's the kind of person who hears the word of God and goes 
not interested, don't want to know, or whatever they say, that it's gone. It's like the bird's eating it up straight away. It has no time to grow, it's gone. And that, that, some people decide to do that, that's their decision. Another example, um, he says, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no roots, they withered away. So these are people who, yeah, look at this word, of, it's amazing, this word of God, and it springs up in them straight away, and they're very excited about it. But then there's no depth to them, and, and they don't take it on any further, and, and then it's gone. So it, it's kind of lost, isn't it? It doesn't grow to fruition, it doesn't come to its, its fullness in the end, although it was very exciting at the time. Another example, but when, but some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. So the, the idea here that Jesus is putting forward is that there can be times when, when things around us, we, we read the word of God, but things around us can sort of take over, uh, and they get in the way, and, and they choke the things of God, and, and we just forget, and we fail, and, and sometimes different parts of our lives we can be any one of those we can be affected by it because because of the things that happen in our lives and so there's, there's different things but the final one is the important one, the one that hopefully we, we all follow but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold some sixty, some thirty he who has ears to hear, let him hear so it's how we respond isn't it and, and in the last example they took the word and it grew and it came to fruition, it bore fruit and it was spread again. There it is, more seed, hundredfold, and they're not all the same, some are a hundredfold, some are sixty, some are thirty, but they're all valuable because they've all brought fruit to God, even though they're all different. So we have these sort of choices in our lives and Jesus is saying, it's your choice but the results really that matter are the ones that bring forth fruit to God something so that we are changed and, and we can pass on the glory to God so when God forgives we pass on that forgiveness to other people for example uh, and we can, we can show the kingdom uh, and the root of the kingdom to those around us it's a powerful thing then isn't it the kingdom just, just imagine if the kingdom came and the Lord Jesus returned and we were one of the others and we'd not actually done anything about it and we'd worried about how much money we earned or we'd worried about our education and, and maybe not been baptised and not sought the kingdom that would be terrible wouldn't it to look back and look back on your life and realise that you'd wasted it because the kingdom's come and what you've done hasn't brought about something that's going to last forever alternatively we can take on the word of God we can repent from our sins and see God's way and be baptised and walk in Christ and when the kingdom comes all that other stuff won't matter because the kingdom will be here and everything will have been worthwhile and that's, that's really the message of the gospel now I'm going to give you a family example now. Um, this is my this is the Hardy family um, from 1916, I think. Um, so 
Kathy had asked me if I was on there before, but I'm not. It's a bit before my time. Um, I don't know whether she was being cheeky or not, but anyway, there you go. Um, but it's it's a personal story. Um, the fact the picture's taken in 1916. Um, in the middle is my great grandfather. Um, he was um, called Robert, um, and next to him um, is his wife Sophia. Um, and a good while before this was taken. Um, when they first got married, uh, they were, well, I think Sophia really was, went to the local Anglican church. Um, they had 11 children. Um, I can't remember they had 11 or 12. I know my granddad used to say he had nine sisters and how terrible a life he had. I think he was, um, I think he was spoiled actually, but there you go, by his sisters. But that's another story. He always had a twinkle in his eye when he said that. Um, but anyway, my great-grandfather, Robert, was a fancy leather worker. He was a foreman in a big works in um, Sheffield. Um, now, Bessie's eldest daughter, which I can't remember which one is on this. She might be at the front on this side, actually. Um, she was, uh, when she was 12, which is in the 1890s, um, he gave her a job at the firm. Now, I don't know whether you'd do that now or whether you'd be able to do that now. You'd have to have interviews and all the rest of it, but she got a job anyway. Um, at the age of 12, which is quite young, isn't it, working there. Um, and while she was there, the girl that she worked with, um, and my dad told me whose name it was, and I've forgotten now, if somebody, you might recognise her name. Um, but anyway, she took, um, she took it, she said, oh, do you want to come to Sunday school at Sheffield Meeting? Um, and, and they went to the, the Christadelphian, and she went to the Christadelphian Sunday School at Sheffield, which I believe is exactly the same times now as it was then. I don't think anything's ever changed time-wise in Sheffield, um, unless it has recently. Um, so they used to go uh, there, and then after a while, she, she, she quite liked going to Sunday School, and they said, well, do you want to come for tea? And you can come to the lecture in the evening as well. So she did. Um, now, after a, a few weeks of this, her mother sort of started to wonder well what is this that she's going to so Sophia said well look go to Sunday school but I'll come to the lecture with you on the Sunday night to see what's, what's going on um, the upshot of the whole thing was that effectively pretty much the whole family was baptised in the end and it started off with Bessie in 1899 um, some nine years later her mother was baptised and the whole of the rest of the family, all except um, in the middle, Robert in the middle, he wasn't—he was never baptised. He was. Um, my granddad always said he was a very strong socialist, um, very staunch socialist. Um, he described him as a very loving family man, um, but he was a, a staunch socialist. And he did. He died in 1928. Uh, and my granddad used to say that he, um, at the end of his life, he sort of realised that. Or he said that socialism really didn't bring about what the message of the word of God brought it. And he missed his opportunity really. And he felt that right at the end of his life. So, apart from Robert, which is maybe a bit of a sad story, but the others, all those others did something <coughs> over a hundred years ago or about a hundred years ago that changed their life but will last forever they're all gone, all the people and even the, the tiny ones, even the, the babies in that picture have all grown up lived their lives and died and yet they're not finished what they have done made all the difference 
it matters in a hundred years after this and beyond because they have hope they died in hope hope of the resurrection from the dead let's turn one passage up we've not turned anything up yet have we so uh, just at the end 1 Thessalonians 4 to see what the word of God says about this Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him (coughs) those who sleep in Jesus. So he's talking about people who died, but he's saying they're asleep because they're going to wake up again in the resurrection. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words he's talking about the resurrection and the return of the Lord Jesus and being being raised up to meet him as he comes back to the earth and to comfort one another with these words those people that we saw on that picture have all died in faith and they, they died in hope they sleep waiting for the resurrection from the dead when the Lord Jesus will return back to the earth what an amazing hope that is what an incredible thing to look forward to well we sung this didn't we Um, we already sung this at the beginning uh, in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says the same sort of idea doesn't he he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and that's very wise advice isn't he? he says you can look around you you can look into the fields and see the flowers that grow and God looks after all those things don't worry about the things of now worry about the kingdom to come Uh, and that's the message I want to leave us with really is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because that's a great hope and then (coughs) what we do now really will matter not just in a hundred years but forever we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times Go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.